We started about three years ago and then we went to the Innovation Hub of South Africa to say, hey, this is our innovation. Please, would like some support and, and they loved it. This is Murendeni Mafumo. He is an innovator. 50% of all water projects fail within the first two to three years in the African continent. They're too expensive to run. So he designed an affordable solution run by the community. So we do about 60,000 litres of water in those communities a day. And that 60,000 includes people coming in, filling up their water, and in some other cases uh, for the veggie garden that gets run by one of the local partners. podcast is brought to you by Jojo, a proud supporter of South Africa's water activists and a proud supplier of water solutions for a better quality of life. By protecting our most precious resource, Jojo's quality products help to safeguard the well-being of people, communities and the environment and the people working tirelessly to protect it. Welcome to For Water For Life. I'm Gugule Tumshungo. And I'm Sikwetlane Pamudi. And this is the water podcast that tells extraordinary stories about ordinary people. They've made it their life's mission to preserve, purify and protect the water supply where we live, in water-scarce and unequal South Africa. I've been spending time with social entrepreneur and water boffin Murendeni Mafumo, and he really does have an extraordinary story. Murendeni's journey will take us around the country, overseas and back here again. But it starts in the northern part of the remote Limpopo province, in a village outside the town of Toyando. So one day I was at home and I went to visit my wife's sister in a village. It was Venda, so it's very hot. So we're sitting on the porch outside and I see this boy walking up, almost uphill, and he's pushing a wheelbarrow with the, the jerry can. So you know those big 25-litre mm. cans? He approaches us, he comes into the house to greet and then he asks for a glass of water. So it struck me as being odd that he doesn't drink the water that he's carrying. And that's when it clicked to me that to this day, one, there are people that still have to walk for three kilometers on average, one way, to get water. Two, the water that they're collecting is not safe to drink as well. At the time, Murendeni was working as a water analyst for the city of Johannesburg, the country's largest urban center. Primarily, it's been women and children that are burdened with um, collection of water, even here in South Africa. And the reality was that almost a billion people globally lack access to safe drinking water. And every 90 seconds um, in the African continent, four kids die due to drinking contaminated water. And one of the biggest causes of death is diarrhea, even more than wars. And I'm sitting here and I'm working for one of the biggest cities in the continent um, and providing water for people that stay in Santan or you know, high-income people. But there's this reality within exactly where I live. So I decided I'm going to solve this problem. That's when I started cuisine water. And our mission is to ensure that everyone, regardless of background, regardless of location, regardless of anything, gender, should have access to a source of clean water and nowhere further than a kilometer. Then I resigned from work and then I started the company.
Within two years, the company reported it was selling the cheapest purified water in South Africa. Today, they have dozens of clean water projects running, some commercial, but mostly in communities and clinics and schools. These are paid for by government and sponsors. And by 2019, Kusini says it had already provided a million litres of free, clean water to communities, impacting 10,000 people. So my question, obviously, is how did they do it? So the key to Gusini's success lies in the innovative use of technology. It's really quite incredible. Water purification filters are made from recycled macadamia nutshells. 3D printed boxes house the system. There's a smart water meter. And all of these are run on solar power. And that's thanks to Murendeni Mafumo's burning curiosity. And for that, we actually need to go back 35 years or so. I was born in Limpopo, in a township called Shandima, so many, many years ago, to a single mother of 19 at the time, in apartheid South Africa or in Venda, homeland of Venda. So my whole life, I sort of spent the first part of my life with my grandmother uh, because my, my mom had to go find a job. Murendeni became aware of the importance of water from his grandmother, who farmed on communal land and grew all the household's vegetables. The Venda region is famous for its fertile soil and greenness, but taps are still scarce for many. I think my mom made a big mistake of buying me a book, a set of books called Young Scientist. So it's about, all about water, all about energy, all about chemistry, all about the human anatomy. I ended up turning a house into a little bit of a laboratory because I, I started experimenting with all sorts of things um, from those books. In Venda, there's a school called Tando Technical High School. Um, so we do mechanical engineering, civil, drawing, those type of things. So I knew I wanted to get in there. So that's why I went to school. Murendeni says he fell in with the wrong crowd at school. But then one day, the science teacher walked up and pointedly gave him the key to the science lab. She asked him to lock up after students were finished with their science experiments. So then we went into the lab that day with my friends. And I have to admit, we did some naughty things. But we ended up mixing chemicals and trying to look for a victim that we can use those chemicals on in the laboratory. But when I went home that day, that feeling excited me. It was one of the most exciting feelings to be in that space and to be, my curiosity was like something sparked inside of me. So I told myself that day that I'm going to prove to this teacher that I actually am good at science. And from that day on, I wanted to choose a field in the sciences. So then I went to Cape Technical and I did chemistry and the rest, as they say, is history. Except, as we found out, it almost wasn't. The budding young scientist from Shayandima Township had to do on-the-job training as part of his qualifications. But there was a problem. I went for an interview at a, at a bunch of chemical companies and none of them took me. Mostly because I couldn't talk. So I, was, um, I genuinely could not talk in public. At interviews, I would freeze up. It's one of the things that I've had to learn over the last couple of years. And that's how water found Murendeni again. The school placed him in the science lab instead, not just to lock up this time, but to prepare and oversee student experiments. So when he heard there was a wastewater plant looking for operators, he was available. This was the new, the first ever plant of this type to come to South Africa. And this plant was a wastewater treatment plant. Mm. So it used to treat wastewater from industrial manufacturing. 
So this was a factory that used to manufacture nylon. So they brought in this new technology to run and to treat some of their wastewater before they can dump it because they were getting a lot of fines for dumping. So I was one of the operators for three months. And then when I went back to the laboratory at school, I, I was like, I want to run this type of test. So we started running water tests in the laboratory. So the first one was treating wastewater using sunflower seeds. Interesting stuff. Murembeni was realizing he needed to develop all aspects of himself if he was going to make a difference. You've heard of idols, right? The singing competition. They used to do this thing called science idols. So mm. basically it's like singing idols, but for science. <laughs> so you go in there, you present your scientific experiment, a scientific paper in front of a, of a judge and about 50 other students. And then they name the top three scientific papers for the year. And mine was number two in that, in that year. That's when the city of Cape Town employed me. Then Murendeni fell into water. For years, he would work within huge city water infrastructures in Cape Town and then in Joburg in their water and sanitation research departments, exploring the chemistry of water. But his interests were also increasingly around access to water. How does the city then effectively bring water to that person who doesn't have any network connected to them? And also, secondly, who doesn't have an ability to pay for that water? 60% of most water in major cities gets lost. So how do you apply some of the more bulky type technology? At the moment, we've got, obviously, rainwater or got the big catchment systems, the catchment system or the Val River system. A lot of it is rainwater. And then you obviously transfer it through the river systems, through the basins, into the cities. The problem with that is, I mean, it's quite an expensive exercise to run. It's quite a, a centralized, expensive process to run, but it works for the cities that have a stable income base. Mm. So in Switzerland and Zurich, perfect. In cities that are not sort of built by sort of apartheid or like sort of a, that are not built with separation in mind, that works. In South Africa, it's very different. Which is where we found Murendeni, working in Joburg, sitting on the porch in the village, watching the boy pushing a wheelbarrow. There was just one more impetus needed for him to start Cassini Water, the social enterprise startup with the payoff line, purpose in every drop. Hmm, purpose in every drop. Nice. The line actually made me think of someone else we're meeting on this journey. Gogo Mathlodi told us about learning to appreciate every single drop of water. Like even a bath, you know, like even a bath or a shower on your regular day, like to observe that as a moment of cleansing, you know, crying the water that comes out of your own body as a moment of cleansing. It can be like pedantic if you approach everything as a ritual, right? But to have consideration for just how we engage water, whether it's a large body of water or literally the water that's coming out of your tap, because even that water comes from a source of nature, right? Gogo Mathlodi is a sangom, a diviner and traditional healer whose work often uses water for healing and spiritual cleansing. Even that comes from somewhere, you know. And I think there's much to be grateful for and to consider in a country like South Africa, where really water shortage is an issue that we're really going to start having to think about seriously. And I think also my appreciation for something as simple as taking a bath, and this is also why I say cleansing is meditation, right? 
Because I found that depression particularly, what it does is like it absolves you or it almost like sucks out the intention to just take care of yourself, right? So a lot of people find themselves not being able to do regular things like get out of bed, take a bath, brush your teeth and things like that. And so in the same way that we consider hygiene and the same way we consider cleanliness as a meditation on spirit to do the same with hygiene, with our personal and physical hygiene, even in the morning mokes are to just be like, hey man, life is hard. Something tried to take me from myself, but here I am. And this is an act, you know, as mundane and as regular as it is, this is my act. And I really believe that with that intention, we can chant something as simple as that, something as simple as your bath water with intentions of cleansing and opening yourself up to things. For Gogo Mashodi, we need to remember our bodies are our temples. My body is my first sight of healing. My body is my first sight of revolution. And you know, all of the things that I want to express in the world, I need to start here. And it starts with little things like that, like being consistent in your hygiene, being consistent in feeding your body, something as important as water, you know? So I think just daily practices where you are, have consideration for water, you know, for the way that it keeps you alive, for the way that it cleanses your body, for the way that it nourishes things, including plants, including you. Because really, imagine if you try to do anything for a day without water, there's not much that you could do. And I think gratitude is also really the big game changer when it comes to spirituality. So those of us who do have access to water, you know, I think let's just have gratitude there. Use it sparingly. Have consideration for what it is, where you are, how you're able to access it, and then just really how lucky you are. And I think that's a good way to just tap a little bit deeper into your own spirituality. Beautiful words. And we'll be hearing more from Koko Matlodi's water story in another episode. For now, it's back to Murendeni, who we left sitting on the porch in the village. So the final impetus that was to shape his water vision came in the form of the President of the United States of America. What happened that year was that it was a time when President Obama came to South Africa and he was in this UJ Soweto campus and he said he wants to create this program where young African leaders can congregate in one place and they can get as much support and as much empowerment to be the leaders in their society. He's, he, spoke, he was so eloquent. I mean, I'm, I'm butchering it. But from what I understood from that conversation or from, from his speech was that there are African leaders that are sitting in, in Kibera, in Nairobi. There are African leaders that are sitting in in Hamatsira, in Venda, that are doing amazing work for their communities. So I applied for that program and the Young African Leadership Initiative was a game changer for me. Not only because you, you get to meet these professors or like you get to see these things that have been done in a different country, but it gives you a confidence, a new set of confidence that you never thought you had. And this is how he discovers the benefits of 3D printing, which is done using a machine that builds actual physical objects in layers of a design that is a digital model made on a computer. So when I went to that program, I was at the Yale School of Management. I went to visit this Yale School of Design and they had a 3D printer there. And I'd never seen a 3D printer before. I'd seen it on TV. So I was like, oh man, this is it. This is the technology. 
So the first part of that was the awakening to the 3D printing revolution. So when I came back, I was like, I'm going to design something that's going to be simple. Because I was like, I realized just how simple it is to design something and run it on 3D printing and prototype it and take it out to the market as quickly as possible. So I was like, I'm going to design a water filtration system that's going to serve my continent. So that was the first part. So came back, we'd been working on some amazing technologies in the past, like the um, sunflower seeds technology. So I, I looked into what other technology can we build locally. So we started building water filters from different sets of material. We started with coconut shells in order to make the carbon filter. So then we ended up landing on two-stage treatment system, a macadamia treatment system for carbon, as well as a nanofiber from, um, from graphene material. Then we put it together, 3D print the shells, 3D print the housing that, that shells the, the, the filter, and we took it out to market within about 18 months or so. Amazing. And out to market means primarily communities like the one he grew up in, where people didn't have access to safe drinking water. All of his life experience and the pursuit of his insatiable curiosity comes together in this water filter system that's placed in a community, cleans the water, is run off energy from the sun, and is hooked up to the internet. So I'm wondering, how does the system actually work? The best way to explain is to look at one of the schools that Gusini has been servicing. One is a primary school outside Heidelberg. It's less than an hour's drive to Heidelberg from Joburg, the bustle of the big city giving way to trucks and farmland, and a town with its usual colonial history. Keep going until the townships give way to wide, dusty roads, government-issue houses with zinc roofs painted red. The bluest of blue skies makes the one or two clouds look extra white. There's not a lot of rain here, there's no piped water, and groundwater must be relied on, along with rainwater collected in Jojo tanks. completely off-grid community in Heidelberg. This is a school where all the kids come by bus. So that's how remote that school is. In the past, they had a situation where they had to send the kids back because there was an E. coli outbreak. We went in there, we did a water test, and as it turns out, there's E. coli. And guess why? Because it's a farming area, there are lots of livestock in that area. One of the biggest beef producers in the country is in Heidelberg. And cow dung leaches onto the groundwater resources making the water a little bit higher in E. coli. So we tested the water and we found out that E. coli was off the charts. And immediately, this technology is perfect for that. Because the area is remote, electricity is also not reliable. So we put in this technology that allows for solar treatment technology, solar pumping of the water, but also at the same time, we ensure that the lights stay on as well. So that's a very good example of what we're sort of trying to achieve. That doesn't need reverse osmosis. Reverse osmosis is standard practice for cleaning water, but it needs a lot of energy, usually electricity. It removes absolutely everything that isn't water, including water's natural minerals. These are replaced afterwards using artificially introduced minerals. Instead, Cusini uses nanofiber filters of very fine carbon threads. 
The pumped groundwater at the Heidelberg School enters the Cassini filtration system and goes through two of these filters. It goes through activated carbon treatment, removes chemicals, chlorine, bad taste and bad smell. And it goes through the nanofibers, which removes viruses, bacteria. It almost works like how your kidney works. You will be able to treat heavy metals, you'll be able to treat E. coli, which is a huge challenge in a lot of communities. So how it works is that we run a box, a plug-and-play box. So the system gets put into a stainless steel frame. We 3D print the housing, and then we obviously have to wire it in as well. The carbon fiber is hung on a stainless steel housing, and all of that gets put in a frame, into a box. So when it gets to the site, we just need to plug in the pipes, and then we connect it to the water source. So that box comes in with an IoT system, also an Internet of Things system plugged into it. So what that Internet of Things platform allows us to do is that we're able to monitor every single stage in the filtration system or in the filtration process. And that allows us for easier maintenance. So both predictive maintenance and also knowing what has broken down when. Also, it reduces the cost of operation. So then from there onwards, what we're doing right now, we want to extend distribution network. So meaning basically that we want to get the tabs to be as close to as possible to the houses. The school or clinic or creche is hooked up to the larger community. So now there's better access to water and electricity for community projects. Gusini works with a network of NGOs and local workers in the area. And I mean, our, our slogan is hope in every drop, purpose in every drop. So people come in because they're feeling vulnerable and they go into that place as a place of safety, as a place of shelter both kids and adults. Because now this centre has water, we can build a veggie garden. So we've got a partner that makes those raised beds from corrugated steel. They come in, they do it for free. They come into the community, they put in the raised beds, and we ensure that we can recover as much water as possible to water. Wow. Don't say we didn't warn you. Murendeni is an extraordinary water story. And the sky's the limit for the dream that began with Young Scientist magazine. In Africa, we're going to be the first local industrial producer of graphene-based material. This material will allow for a significantly cheaper ways of treating seawater. We've been in conversation for a couple months, if not over a year, in Namibia for seawater because water security is a huge challenge. So we've been in conversation with them for a while. Once we have all our manufacturing and we've put all our systems in place, that's going to be our pilot sites. Speaking of the sea, there's another water story that is just waiting to be told. That's some of the most exciting moments being part of Elela or Wangle, is that the play is not performed in a traditional sense. So the audience sits in a circle with the actors. And directly afterwards, a conversation has started with the audience. And, I mean, for the most part, just very exciting and moving responses to the play. Just how important it was for people to have their cultural practices and that sort of intangible heritage, which is just forgotten in conversations about the ocean, really recognised as important and as important as the scientific argument for why we should really start protecting the ocean. But the story of the play that brings communities together to save the ocean is one for another episode.
I'm Sekwetlane Pamudi. And I'm Kukuletum Tlungum. All of our podcasts are available at jojo.co.za. The series was made possible because of Jojo for Water for Life. Find us on social media at For Water for Life and share your water stories using the hashtag Listen to the Water. Because if you do, it can change your life. From the Jojo family to yours, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of For Water for Life. Whether you're looking for top quality storage tanks, water filters or other water solutions, Jojo has the product ideal for you. Discover our range at jojo.co.za and find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest product news and water-related content. Thank you.